welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning. Welcome to the Roof of Epiphany Fellowship. Last installment in our series on cancel culture. Let's dig right in. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 9, verses uh, 18 through about the 26th or 27th verse. Let's dig in. It says, Noah's sons who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were Noah's sons, and from them the whole earth was populated. Noah, as... A man of soil began planting a vineyard. He drank some of the wine, became drunk, and uncovered himself inside his tent. Ham, the father of Cain, saw his father naked and told his two brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a cloak and placed it over both their shoulders. And walking backward, they covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father naked. When Noah woke from his drinking and learned what his youngest son had done to him, he said to Canaan, he said, Canaan, cursed is Canaan. He will be the lowest of slaves to his brothers. He also said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Let Canaan be Shem's slave. Let God extend Japheth. Let Japheth dwell in the tents of Shem. Let Canaan be Shem's slave. Um, I would like to talk about today in our time together, uh, why do they hate us? Are black people cursed? Why do they hate us? Are black people cursed? Father God, we need you. We're over this community, we're over this city now, and we're standing and we're proclaiming your excellencies up high because we want you exalted and we want you lifted high. And so Lord, I pray that you would come through here, show off your weight, show the enemies who's boss, dispel myths and get glory. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer and whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Why do they hate us? Every generation from slavery to now, children have grown up, you know, in a society, particularly black kids, uh, during this time, uh, they can be sheltered away from racism a bit in the sense of its overt effects on them, although it has covert effects on them. We'll talk about that later. And once they get to a particular age, and play, uh, particularly if they had white friends when they were little and they played around and they didn't care anything about color, and then all of a sudden they grow up and they begin to become colorized, if you will. And, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with seeing color, but, 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 but when color turns to prejudice, there's a problem. And when a child becomes colorized because of the culture that we're in and because of the way everything is wrapped in the gift wrap of 
self-perception and prejudices uh, uh, and disadvantages, uh, what we begin to see is kids begin to understand colorism and its effect on how they view particularly black children, particularly black children. And because black children can feel that and can feel that wherever they are, they begin to ask a question that is one of the most challenging questions uh, that, 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 that one of my sons asked me as he began to see everything that was going on in this culture. He asked one question without any coaching. He asked this question without any direction. He asked this, uh, this question without anybody spurring him. He asked the damning question that blew my mind and my wife's mind when we heard it, but we were fearful that we heard it when he said, why do they hate us? What is the parent to say? When you realize that your child has now entered the world of color, but not in the way you wanted him to or her to enter the world of color. I mean, of course, we want them to enter the world of color through primary colors, through their Crayola crayon uh, uh, situation. You want them to you want them to enter the world of color through coloring books and uh, uh, magic markers, particularly the ones that self-erase. Amen, somebody. Um, you, in, in, other, in, other, in other words, you want them to enter the world of color with joy and with and with beautiful uh, excellencies of things that they're writing. No, our children, black children, many times enter the world of color with the disadvantage in their mind of how they view the brown and the black crayons in the Crayola catalog that reflects them. And so today I wanna to talk about this reality that people have been asking and even some have been creating and have created theologies around is why do they hate us, are black people curse? There's a lot of myths out there about black people. We're physiologically superior, that may be true in some ways, um, but I think some of the ways are objectifying, we'll talk about that later. Uh, intellectually deficient, that's absolutely unadulteratedly preposterous. We have, we have invented so many things. Um, Three-fifths of a person, that's, 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 a, that's a false sense of biblical anthropology. And we'll talk about that later. Amen. But this destruction of our character keeps going. Music is the extent of our intellect. One professor at an evangelical seminary, the professor in the school will go unnamed. A black student raised his hand in class because he kept hearing white theologian after white theologian after white theologian after white theologian. And he was he asked the professor the question. He said, Prof, have black people in any form, shape or fashion or people of color contributed anything to theology? And he said, put his hand over his mouth and he kind of stroked his chin and he looked up, leaned over his platform and said, you guys can really sing. And the destructive fallacies that were permeating from the sacred desk turned the sacred desk to a demonic desk because that showed that prof that he was a scholar in limited proportions because he had tribal historical theology. Um, but, but, but anyway, I, I got to move. I got to move. <clears throat> Music is the extent of our intellect. Blacks are emotional. We just shout all the time. We don't ever. Now, we like to shout. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But we do have a prowess, a potent intellect that pertinently uh, uh, peruses pericopes for potent preaching. I wish somebody would hear me right now. In, in, in other words, in other words, we, we have some, we, 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 our oration and our ability to communicate that comes from intellectual prowess. When you, when you look at uh, all of the different people in our history uh, who are writers, whether you're talking about Cain Hope Felder or E. Franklin Frazier or you're talking 
talking about Francis Grimke, or you're talking about Origin, amen, or you're talking about Tutu. Uh, how in the world can you do that to, to, to say those type of things? If you're talking about Gardner C. Taylor, if you read any type of Caesar Clark, if you, if you have E.K. Bailey, if you got Dr. Tony, I could keep going. And there's so many, it's a slew of us today that we believe that God has redeemed us for such a time as this, for intellectual prowess, for the glory of Jesus Christ. But not to prove anything to white people, but live in our divine destiny because of what God has anointed us to do. We don't have a soul, or we, we need guidance. We, we, need, we need white shepherding, amen. <laughs> we have tails, black are descendants of beasts, not Hamitic in origin. That's a whole nother deal. There's a book written on that called Negro the Beast where whites were being trained. There are two books. There's a book on Negro law written by a lawyer and there's a theological, uh, an attempt at theology. It's the most eisegetical, demonic thing that's ever written. And those two books, those two resources were used as the way to epistemologically train white people towards blackness. How to argue it for, on the court level and how to argue it from the pulpit. I don't have time to go through that because that ain't what my sermon about. They have theologically attempted, uh, attempted to root this claim. So what have been some of the tools of this? The propaganda through posters, black face and bright eyes and big lips, movie roles. Um, we, we just the ones that laugh and we're clumsy. Uh, uh, amen. Blackface, where, we, where whites put on uh, black paint to over accentuate the color of black people in order to make fun of us. Uh, radio, newspapers. Blacks own self-hatred. We'll talk about that too. And today shows up in also subliminal forms of reinforcement. Listen to this uh, artist. I, I, I got to build my case if y'all let me. In 1837, the painter and theorist Jacques Nicolas Pilot de Metabert. I hope I said that right. This is what he said about black people. He said, white is the symbol of divinity or God. Black is the symbol of evil or the demon. White is the symbol of light. Black is the symbol of darkness and darkness expresses all evil. White is the emblem of harmony. Black is the emblem of chaos. White signifies supreme beauty. Black ugliness. White signifies perfection. Black signifies vice. White is the symbol of innocence. Black, that of guilt, sin, and moral degradation. White, a positive color, indicates happiness. Black, a negative color, indicates misfortune. The battle between good and evil is symbolically expressed by the opposition of black and white. So in other words, the, his anthropology was all in his poetry. In other words, what he believed about man came out in helping. And you know that poetry and music is a great mechanism of indoctrination and imprinting of memory. Robert's a B by your hand. All right. <laughs> and because that's an impression by memory, if you will, what kind of damage did it do? And all these stereotypical outlets have been destructive to black people. But there's something going on because even we believe we're cursed. Even we believe we're cursed at times. We, we have a, 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 an in-depth level of self-hatred. And this self-hatred is spiritual, psychological, and emotional injury. What is, what, what is self-hatred? It is the spiritual, psychological, emotional injury 
of God's view of you that is less than where God values you. Let me say that again. Uh, Self-hatred is the spiritual, psychological, and emotional injury of God's view of you that is less than what God values you at. And so, 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 so we have played into our, our, our own God-given beauty either in an objectifying way or we've sought to change our appearance to look more based on European standards, black folk. We get perms, you understand what I'm saying? We get full of waves in the in the 80s, you know. I got kinky hair, you know what I'm saying? When I let it grow out, see, I ain't know I can grow out my head out a little bit. But 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 we used to have the comb through stuff as a male perm kind of thing. And and you could get full of waves, you get the wave cap and you put it on, and you gotta wash the stuff out and put it all on it. After that, you'll have waves, but 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 when that new growth come in, hallelujah, you got the you got the you got to refuller it. Help me today. Blowouts, weaves, and I'm not saying all weaves are because of that. I know some people have hair loss, hair issues, different things like that. So I'm not trying to beat anybody up who has hair loss issues. However, some of y'all got blonde weaves because you want to look like a white woman. Many of us as black men want to change our hair because we want to look like uh, uh, money. Many of us actually have Caesar haircuts to cut our hair down low so the kinkiness of our hair doesn't show if it grows out, <laughs> uh, we have so much help. Uh, we, some of us got colored contacts because you, and I'm not against colored contacts, but some of, it, it is the reason why you got colored contacts because you like them or because you think uh, white people have a more expansive DNA code to express eye color. Oh God, help me. Makeup to lighten your face. L Lauren Hill and Doo-Wop, she said, now Lauren is only human. Don't think I've been through the same predicament. Let it sit inside your head like a million women in a Philly pen. It's silly when girls sell their souls because it's in. Look at where you be, where you be in. Hair weaves like Europeans, fake nails like by Koreans. Come on, come on, come on, come again, my girlfriend. I, that's one of my favorite jobs right there. Uh, do wop, but. But even in Lauren Hill's soliloquy, uh, she is helping us to understand many of the challenges that we have kind of experienced in forming the black image. The black image has been uh, the, the, the most molested image on the planet, and, and the white image is the most exalted image of standard beauty. Even Koreans and Asian folk cut, uh, do surgery on their eyes to take the slants off of it to look more European. I can go and I can go on and I can go on and I can go on. But as we come to this text, we come to what's called the table of nations where the earth was populated, whether you believe in a, a, a regional flood or a, a global flood, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> this doesn't speak against the Bible when it says all of the, uh, when, it, when it talks about um, uh, so many people, the whole earth was populated. It doesn't mean that there wasn't population already. It just means that from this, Everybody went across, a lot of people went across the world and populated the whole earth. And so I have one verse and one, one point and one point only today. Uh, why do they hate us? Our black people curse. Number one and one and only point. What God has blessed, let no man curse. What, what, what God has blessed, no one can curse. It says in verse 18, it says, Noah's sons came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were Noah's sons. From them, the whole earth was populated. So some people use that as a way to say, see, that's how we know that the earth wasn't fully, that the Bible is wrong because 
from these three people groups, the whole earth wasn't populated because there were people everywhere. Well, I'll let you go do your studies on regional and global floods and whether or not it happened that way. Whatever theory you come up with is cool, but it doesn't hurt the text. Let's look at verse 20. It says, Noah, as a man of soil, so he was a man of the ground. Uh, this came from Abel's line, the godly line of men weren't cursed from the ground. If you remember Cain, the, uh, uh, Adam's uh, other son, uh, he was cursed from the ground being able to bear fruit uh, uh, because of what he did to his brother spilling his blood on the ground. So he's gonna have an even harder time than normal, right? But he says, he uh, began by planting a vineyard. Said, you know, when that vineyard was done, my man, as you know, my, 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 my man uh, 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 Noah, he got some. He 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 spent some time fermenting. So so probably a couple years went by, and he he spent some time fermenting that wine, and said he drank some, and he became drunk, uncovered him, uh, and, and, and he uncovered himself in his tent. And when he uncovered himself in his tent, it points back to being naked and unashamed. But now what he did was a shame. Now I can't go into all of that, but there's a connection between nakedness here and nakedness in Genesis, uh, chapter three chapter 2 rather but in verse 21 it says ham the father of canaan saw his father naked and told his brothers and so in in in, in doing this he didn't do something that he could have done uh, it, because it wasn't just that he was just talking to his brothers it was almost like he looked and told his brothers so his brothers can go look themselves but what's interesting um whether you think this was an innocent look or a demonic look um it, based on what happens in the text it seems not to be a good thing at all but what it says in verse 23 is interesting it says then shem and japheth took a cloak and placed it over <coughs> over both their shoulders and walking backward they covered their father's nakedness their face were turned, oh, faces were turned away and they did not see their father naked. So what they did was they clothed their father like God clothed Adam and Eve. In other words, God covered the shame of Adam and Eve and so did Shem and Japheth clothe the, the shame of Noah instead of exposing. I, I'm gonna give you something parenthetical. Some of y'all don't know how to cover people sometimes. I know somebody may have done something to you. I know something may have been crazy, but some of y'all like to put all, everything ain't for, this for free, this ain't got nothing to do with this sermon, but some of y'all need to learn how to cover people because you don't want you, you don't want you uncovered out there, but we'll uncover everybody else and talk about everybody else and put pictures out there about everybody else. But when it comes to us, we want to be covered. Cover one another. That was for free. Verse 24. Noah woke from his drinking. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> the text that he woke from his, I like the way the Bible just talks about stuff. It, it has a very nice way of saying he was drunk with a hangover and he woke up, um, you know, and learned what the youngest son had done. Uh, to verse 25, it says, Canaan, he said, cursed is Canaan. He will be the lowest of slaves to his brothers. Now, what's interesting here is, of course, curse means to invoke by verbiage divine harm on someone or to bind them, if you will, or to, or to wish obstacles upon them or render them powerless or <clears throat> cause life or God to resist them because of some type of activity in their life. Uh, 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 in, 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 other, in, other words, in other words, because you did something to me, I, I want to 
I want to invoke, and even God has invoked curses. We'll talk about that in a bit, where, where, where he doesn't wish it, he does it. Um, but, but man can invoke, patriarchs would, could invoke blessing, and can invoke cursing. They can invoke blessing and they can invoke cursing. They can invoke blessings that they uh, uh, that, that God could honor or not honor based on his sovereign and providential grace in his agreement with the blessing and the cursing, which are both judgments, right? A, right, a, a, a judgment for good blessing or, 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 or a judgment for hellacious curses. So here in this text, we see that he curses Canaan, but hold up. I thought Ham was the one who did the sin. This is deep. If Ham did the sin, why would he curse Canaan? <laughs> Even though Ham was wrong, if you look at verse one of chapter nine, my text says, I don't know what yours says. It says, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fear the earth. What? So why couldn't he curse them? Because God had already blessed them. When God has blessed you, even when you've done something stupid, there is no authority to curse you. So, 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 but then someone is saying, well, why in the world would he put it on his lineage? Because even though he was blessed, there had to be a consequence for his sin. Now, somebody would say, well, he's not receiving the consequence. That's because y'all ain't attached to your children. Because you have a child and let your child be cursed. And see, won't that hit you? Even if you're you're experiencing, listen, the in, in the patriarchal period, your bloodline and it being able to carry on your name and carry on your wealth was a heavy load to bear. That's why men wanted sons. Not that they didn't want daughters, but they wanted sons. Why? Because the sons carry on the family name, they carry on the family tradition. And so to make them slaves to one another was almost them being exiled from the family because to be someone's slave means that they own you. It's not a ditch of servitude here. And so it could be a form of it, but, but, but God cursed them for that. But the question is, on the floor, is if Ham, listen, isn't cursed, then why do we have the curse of Ham? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about them things. Why, why, why do we need to talk about this? Because the Bible talks about over when he begins talk, when the Bible begins laying out who different sons were of Ham, Shem, and Japheth, you see Ham's sons in verse, in chapter 10, verse 6, it says, Ham's sons, Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. So these were Ham's sons. So if you recognize Ham's sons, Ham said, has several sons. Cush, which meant black, Mizraim, which would eventually become Ket or Kemet in Egypt, those became the father of Egyptian civilizations, particularly more so the Cushites than the Egyptians or Mizraim, the house of bondage and, and, and Cush, black. And so, 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 so what's interesting though is Canaan becomes the bloodline that the curse leans on. And even when we look at the history, God was still gracious 
with Canaan, even in the midst of that. And he said, you'll be the lowest of slaves and you'll serve your brothers, but particularly you'll serve Shem. And so the, the curse on Canaan had prophetic implications, family. In later century, it wasn't perpetual, but it did happen at particular times because God, even in the midst of somebody cursing Canaan, it still didn't heavily lay on him because you see it in Joshua chapter 17, verse 13, Judges chapter one, verse 28 through 32, and first Kings, <coughs> and first Kings <coughs> chapter nine, verse 20 through 21. We see them being cursed here and walking in the curse by being slaves, if you will. But the curse of Ham has been utilized to explain to you as a way to say that blacks were theologically cursed. Where God, he didn't curse Ham, he cursed Han Canaan. Because if he would have cursed Ham, all of the bloodlines of Ham would have been cursed. But God was doing it for two reasons. <clears throat> he, he, he blessed Ham and didn't want to curse all the bloodlines. It's crazy. But, 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 but and so when God did this and he helped us to recognize and see this in relation to what people are trying to do with biblical slavery is interesting. Look at what it says here. It says he blessed verse 26. He blessed the Lord, the God of Shem. Let Canaan be Shem's slave. <clears throat> let God extend Japheth. Let Japheth dwell in tents of Shem and let, Shem, let Canaan be Shem's slave. Now, Noah lived 350 years after that. And so we see it begins to go on. Now, what's interesting is that Christianity got its understanding of this text, not from Christianity, but from Islam and Moors, I'll show you, or Arabs and Moors. <clears throat> Historians Bernard Lewis and William, uh, uh, William McKee Evans have presented much evidence to support the view that the Islamic world <clears throat> preceded the Christian in representing sub-Saharan Africans as descendants of Ham, who were cursed and condemned to perpetual bondage because of their ancestral mistreatment of his father Noah, as described in, of course, this obscure passage that we're talking about this. <clears throat> Where did this get grabbed? This got grabbed over and over and over again by Christians. And, it began, and this was used for a thousand years because this was the way in which Islamic slave uh, traders <clears throat> uh, uh, um, 500 years prior to the transatlantic slave trade, uh, they, they, they justified their slavery of black people based on taking exegesis from Islam. So you mean to tell me your theology, your anthropology, does it come from the Bible? Does it come from what we understand about God's original intent in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the image of God, and Genesis 3, the challenges of the fall, and then the redemption through Christ? No, your anthropology didn't come from the exegesis of proper redemptive historical understanding of Scripture. No, guess where it came from? It came from your commitment, your commitment, your commitment to file and follow capitalism as a foul demonic entity, substandard of justification, substandard standard of sanctification, substandard of glorification, and substandard of the glory of God. And so Schofield, C.I. Schofield, the famous scholar who came out with his famous Schofield Bible, <clears throat> and the Schofield Bible note quotes it, they've edited it out because they're so embarrassed that one of their great theologians came up with this foolishness. 
And it talks about here, it, 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 he, he says, <clears throat> a prophetic declaration is made that from Ham will descend an inferior, this is in his notes, in his Bible. Uh, a declaration is made that from Ham will descend an inferior and servile posterity. And so he said, a prophetic declaration is made that Shem will have a peculiar relationship to Yahweh. All divine revelation is uh, through Semitic men and Christ thereafter, um, the descendants of Shem. I could keep going, but mainly the point here is, is that he did something that the Bible never did. He made a whole race of people, a whole group of people, a whole bloodline of people, uh, uh, fundamentally flawed beyond total depravity to the point that their whole life would be unredeemable. And then that morphed into subhuman philosophies of that. <clears throat> Dr. Evans talks about it a bunch. I'll read a little bit what he said. He, because, he said, because Ham was the father of black people and because his descendants were cursed to be slaves, because of his sin against Noah, some Christians said Africans and their descendants are destined to be servants. And due to the curse of Ham theory, there now exists a myth of inferiority <clears throat> with apparent biblical roots. The theological basis provided the raw material necessary to convince the slaves that to resist their assigned inferior status was to resist the will of God. So why am I saying this? Well, somebody said, well, we don't believe that no more. We don't believe that, that, that we, 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 we agree. The problem is, it's everything that I've mentioned in the beginning and the theological basis that has been given. Guess what happened? <laughs> Guess what happened? It's done its work. You can't undo the way that white people let us into your living room from the trailer parks to the ballparks. Let us in and let us be flies on the wall and let the, the let Negroes come up and let's see what type of information you say. You may theologically say that this isn't true, but I bet you in practicality, you still promote this damnable heresy that something's wrong with black people. Black people are inherently, you won't say cursed, but you'll say that they're like this, which all stems epistemologically and ontologically from the curse of Ham and all of these different things which aren't rooted in Christianity, but rooted in another place. You ain't gotta say amen, I know I'm preaching, all right? So the curse of Ham, of course, was used by Arabs and Islam and, and Moors to affect us. But this is the issue. So what, what's going on with black people and why black people suffering everywhere? There's something called the noetic effects of sin. The noetic effects of sin is the negative effect of sin on the minds and thinking of humankind, causing the reasoning ability of fallen humanity to be corrupted especially degrading the understanding of spiritual things, all so-called the noetic effects of the fall. Where do we find this in the Bible? Ephesians 4, 18. It says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Whiteness has caused blindness of heart. Whiteness has caused blindness of heart. The noetic effects of the fall have made you create and brand black people globally 
Everybody, no matter where you go, view black people in a particular way. America has taken it on and Western culture has taken it on. And all we can do is dance and sing and, and shoot each other. And, and you brand that out there when that's not a, a, a comprehensive truth about black people. But because you want to subjugate us and keep us on, that's not a curse. Uh, curses aren't man enforced. What happened is what's going on in this culture is this happened because of man and because this happened because of man because of some of the strengths that God has given black people, which he has given us a lot of darn strengths a to the dog on men because the contamination of the fall has caused this. That's what's caused this not a curse the contamination of the fall and its effect on you and us and the contamination of the fall it says I like here I, I, I wrote here. Being Gentiles, Jesus said they love to lord it over people. When you have position of authority, you lord it over people. And in order to keep them subjugated, you got to create every... Listen, the subjugation of black people is an organized lordship system. From, 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 from Diamond World, where I point to my left, to some of the Section 8 housing that's right below my hands right now. This is not a curse. This was created by man. This wasn't created by God. This was created by human beings doing their best work to, to destroy black people, to, dis to close schools and to close factories and to do that. That's, that's a work of man. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, blacks have even bought into being cursed, though. Oh. I got a I got a I got a I got a, a question from someone from Pippin the other day. He says, are we cursed? Because it just seems like everything is against us. <laughs> and because of everything going on, we kind of. You, you kind of think of black people, this is how we view black people. Every black person that was ever born was raised, born and raised in the hood. <laughs> That's laughable. All of us were growing in the hood. All of us grew up having a hard life. And that's not true. Do the effects of justice, injustice, racial injustice affect us? Absolutely. But all of us ain't grew up in the hood. So if we cursed, how is everybody growing? How are some people growing up in the suburbs? Look, we got people that grew up in Lower Marion, Drexel Hill, Upper Darby, Bucks County. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. This is from my Philly people. You know, some of y'all grew up in Delaware. Y'all claim Philly. You know, we like to claim the hood. You know, some of y'all, some of y'all grew up. You know, uh, uh, people grew up in Sicklerville, acting like they from Camden. Well, some of them did, but. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, uh, everybody want to be West, from West Philly because of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I, I you spent a week in West Philly and you from West. In other words, there's been this romance, even among blacks, there's a romanticizing of coming from hardship. Self, uh, in, in other words, if you came from a good family, had, two, <laughs> had, a, had a mom and dad that was there, you're scared to tell people that you came from a good life. It, it kind of reminds me of... Um, of Eighth Mile, forgive me, you know, I'm watching the end of the movie and he's killing Papa Doc. I mean, Eminem killing Papa Doc. He said, he said, this dude's a thug. His real name is Clarence and, his, and he has both of his parents and they have a really good marriage and everybody's laughing. But they're making this, he's, he's rhyming against, what is he rhyming against? The caricature of black people acting like they're from the hood when they have it better than what they really had. So, so, so again, and then everybody in the hood Ain't messed up either. 
So don't try to demonize everybody in the hood like everybody's on drugs, everybody's selling drugs, everybody's committing incest, everybody's sleeping around, everybody's having babies out of wedlock. The devil is a liar. See, that's the problem with y'all. That's the problem with this country, is y'all believe the hype, and the globe has believed the hype. This is a systematic plan to destroy the image of God, but I'm here today as a, 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 a one who wants to stand under Jesus Christ in the grab, to come against every demonic force, to come against every demon, to break every uh, chain that, 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 that so easily entangles us <laughs> then you got the Hebrew Israelites coming up in there they bought into the fact that we curse to the point where I don't have time to read Deuteronomy 28 but they'll go through there and say doesn't this apply to us with if you take Deuteronomy 28 and you go into the Middle East if you go into Africa if you go into parts of Europe <laughs> if you go into Russia Russia Kazakhstan because you ain't been nowhere you don't know what people are dealing with you you can only see it in relation to black people Deuteronomy 28 can apply to every subjugated people on the planet <coughs> that's ever been subjugated. So, so, so that's out. But where do we go from here? Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 through 14 and verse 27 and 28 say this. It says, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, y'all. Because it is written, everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. How are you cursed in this world? If you depend on the law of Moses, if you depend on works as a way to get God, you're living, you have to live with all of those curses. <laughs> but the Bible says, now it is clear that no one, verse 11, is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by the law. Now let's say that the, listen, because the curse of Let's just call it the curse of Ham just for sake of argument. Let's say it's the curse of Ham. All black people are cursed, right? Let's just say that. Okay? If we're all cursed, where in the Bible is the curse of Ham located? I'll wait. I hope they can see this shot. Because I, I, I like what I'm I like this situation. Let, let me tell y'all something. Genesis 9 is under the law of Moses. Even though it's not contained in the Tyrannic law or the Palestinian covenant is still under the law of Moses, right? So if that's true, even, let's just say we're cursed. Look at what it says, but the law is now, is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. Guess what? Let's say, let's say, let's say, let's say, Black people are cursed. Well, guess what? If you trust Christ, you ain't cursed no more. You ain't cursed no more. Just for the sake of argument. You understand what I'm saying? You understand? But guess what? All of us live in a cursed world. All of us, white people, black people, Latinos, Asians, Aborigines, every last one of us live under a curse and Christ comes to be the cure for the curse. And that's why we place our confidence in him who bore our sins on the cross. But the question someone is asking is, oh, don't oversimplify this by just trust Jesus. What about the black people that aren't saved? Are they under a curse? No, they're under white foolishness. That's what they're under. It says, you know, one of the things that we have to do as black people, as we got to break the legacy of self-hatred. We have to break the legacy of self-hatred. How do we do that? It's in the Bible. 
all of it's in the Bible. This is somebody said, well, the Bible says hate your life. The Bible, no, 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 no. You have to hate your life more and love God and you got to hate your family. To the, no, it means your love for God should be so intense that your love for everything else, including yourself, looks like hate. That's what it means. I know that's right. That's what, that's, that's what somebody was just yelling. I just answered them. Um, point one. You were made in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. <laughs> Your culture will be preserved in eternity. Did you know that? In Revelation 7, I'm going to have me a nice body. Or I may, I may um, you know, or I may, you know, just, just do, let my hair grow. Because I, I think in eternity, I'll be able to push my follicles out and just grow whatever kind of haircut I want. You know, won't need no haircut, nothing. You understand what I'm saying? But in eternity, I'm going to be blackity black in eternity. I'm going to be black, just like God created me. How do I know? Because Revelation 7, 9 says it. That every tribe and culture and tongue, how would he recognize them if they weren't there? Next one, God sovereignly made me black. Ephesians 3, 14 says, God, all the families of the earth were named by God. Every nation was named by God. Next, your ethnic heritage is the doing of God. Acts 17, 26 said, Paul, Paul tells them uh, uh, in Athens, he said, listen, he said, God has uh, etched out the boundaries of everyone. In other words, where you geographically are, where you grew up, all of it was sovereignly developed by God for the plan of God, for the redemption uh, that is to come as a part of God's meta-narrative in your micro-narrative. His big, his big narrative entering your small narrative. <laughs> <laughs> the gospel redeems your blackness. It doesn't remove it. That's what I'm trying to tell y'all, family. The gospel redeems your blackness. It doesn't remove your blackness. And a part of being like Jesus in eternity is being who God created you to be. Look at, look at, uh, you have to look at First John 3, 2 said, it's not know what we will be like, but we will be like him. <clears throat> be like him, we've reduced only to our transfigured soul being sinless. <clears throat> but also being like him points to Jesus looks like his Jewish self in heaven. In other words, to be like Jesus is also to look like your ethnic self in eternity when you get your new body. This is, this is ridiculous. I'm done, y'all. All black people cursed. <laughs> um, I love Dark and Lovely's emblem, what they stood for. Saul Sheen and Carson <clears throat> had a similar and powerful vision, it says on their website, to help people of color celebrate their unique, highly individual looks and styles through the most innovative products that have been specifically designed, I love this, for their needs. <laughs> That's what Dark and Lovely does. Dark and Lovely helps you to get a powerful vision of how you were designed to celebrate your unique looks and styles. That's what the gospel does. The gospel is like dark and lovely family. <laughs> the gospel changes and transforms us in our ability to live in this. So why do we fight for injustice? We fight for injustice because the way blacks have been branded in this world isn't a curse from God. It's because of the sinfulness of humanity. And if blacks were cursed, why were there so many? There would be no Mansa Musa. If, 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 if blacks were cursed, there would have been no Egyptian pharaohs. If 
if blacks were cursed, there would be no blessing in West Africa. If blacks were cursed, why is Nigeria one of the most educated countries in the world? Uh, and why are there so many educated Nigerians going around in, in medical fields? Uh, 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 or, 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 I mean, in other words, in order for us to be cursed, there can't be any outliers. I'm an outlier. You're an outlier. Many of you listen to this as an outlier. In other words, you represent not the talented 10th, but the exceptions to the curse rules. And guess what? That was done by God, family. That was done by God. And so I pray today I'm done. I pray today that you get out of this and recognize that black people are not cursed, but what God is blessed. What God is blessed. No one can cursed. I'll give you time to go get your communion. This is a great way to end. Because if black people were cursed, why was communion taken and Africans present at the communion table? Why? Because communion is a point of equality. Communion is a point of equality. <laughs> it makes me think of <clears throat> this beautiful verse. We were in Galatians. It makes me think of this beautiful verse in the book of Galatians. Um, it says, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. This series is not to exalt black people. It's to redeem what's been broken. And so I specifically at the communion table, we celebrate uh, not our differences at the communion table. We celebrate our oneness. And the fact that Christ died on the cross for our sins, got up from the grave, body and blood of Christ that was shed for you. Let us eat together. The blood of the new covenant. Let us drink together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity. To talk about the fact that the concoction called a curse is just a creation of Caucasians. God, I pray in Jesus name that you would help us to see color from your perspective. In Jesus name, amen. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you wanna help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.